our God. He will never forsake us. Amen. 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 Lord, tonight we do thank you that we know that you never leave us or forsake us. How could you leave since we have your spirit within us? You're always there. When two or three are gathered together, you're there. When two are gathered together, you're there. And when one is by himself, you're there because you live within our hearts. And Amen. we thank you, Lord. You will never forsake us. And we thank you for that, Lord. Help us to see spiritually when we think we're forsaken. Help us to see that you have control. That That's the times that you have us riding on your shoulders. And we thank you, Lord God. Lord, tonight we... We pray that we can open up the scriptures and we can see the beauty of who you are as we study the word of God. So tonight, Lord, we give this service over to you. As I prayed earlier, we pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit speaks to each of us and we hear everything and apply everything he says to do to our lives and to you be the glory for it all. Lord, we're here to lift up your name. And we intend to do that all the days of our life because you changed us that day we were saved, that day that you came into our life, that day that we were hit with the power of the almighty God, the creator of the universe. And we were changed and we're not the same people we were before that day. Lord, we become new creatures and we thank you that you have made us new creatures. I hate to think what we all would be like if we hadn't met you, if you hadn't chased us down as the hound of heaven to bring us into your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the courage and the strength to say yes to you. As I said before, when you told the Red Sea to be parted, it was parted. Even the, the ocean and the ground obeyed you and dried up. When you said to part the Jordan River those three times, the Jordan River parted, Lord God. When you spoke to those dry bones in Ezekiel 47, Lord God, those dry bones, an army that was, that was just defeated, and it was just a bunch of dry bones. You told them to come together, and they became to come together. And you breathed life into them, and they lived. As you told Jeremiah, can these bones live? And you proved to us that you can. Lord God, you've called us people. You called your people to come to Jesus. Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And many, many, many people in this world say, no, I'm not going to do it. But the ocean will listen. The rivers will listen. The dry bones will listen. But man says, no way. Father, I pray that tonight you, they, you tell them to say yes to Jesus, Lord. Bring the power of the conviction of their sin upon them and bring them into the kingdom. Not just this service, but Sunday service and every service of every Christian church preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bring them into the kingdom. To you be the glory forever and ever and ever in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. God bless you people. We're glad you're online over there. For those of you that just tuned in on the other programs that's, that we're online, you know, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're here. Tonight, I want to remind you, you can go to our website, freedomchurchpb.org, 
freedomchurchpb.org, you can you can hit the menu button, scroll down to uh, live stream, and you're you're live on on Thursday night, 7:15 we start, and on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. So tune in, live stream. Just go to our website, scroll down the menu, you know, and uh, press live stream. A little arrow will come up by beside the dove, and you just press that, and you'll be you'll be in the service with us. But I'm going to tell you what: bring your Bibles, because I preach from the Word of God. I just get up here and talk. We're preaching from the Word of God. So we thank you and praise you. Um, for the, if you want to give, you can go online. There's the same button there if the Lord leads you to give. If you're part of this church, you can still give your tithes and offering. You can even mail it in if you're part of this church or you have a gift for, for the ministry here. You go and mail it to 2810 High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida, 3 Three four six two, and that's Freedom Church, twenty eight ten High Paluxo Road, Lantana, Florida three three four six two. And we're glad that uh, the Lord has, uh, sir, you know, uh, supported us. We've never taken an offering for over ten years or about ten years, and uh, God has still have us here. So we praise His holy name. So tune in the ladies' Bible study for those of you that may be listening live is canceled for. Tomorrow, um, you know, and um, it's uh, every second and fourth uh, Friday night so of the month. So uh, get ready to, to get uh, tuned up. But we got the holidays coming in, so that might mess a few things up. So you know that when the holidays come around, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, things change quite a bit. So we thank you for everything, for praying for us and... Uh, just so you know, I don't know who you are, but I know one thing. The Lord told us to love one another. That's the new commandment that he gave us. So even though I've never met some of you, we love you here at uh, Freedom Church. So come on in and see us. And as I said, we preach the full gospel of Christ. So we're not going to skip chapters. And we're not going to skip things that might be hard for people to hear. We're not going to give you a tickled ear sermon. You're going to hear what the Word of God says and we're going to apply it to our life. So, uh, we're getting ready to study here. I told you to get your Bibles out. We'll turn to Genesis chapter 46. Genesis chapter 46. Right in the front of your Bible, you know it. Right in the front of your Bible, you know, you're in chapter 46. Anyway, I named this sermon, As If Resurrected from the Dead. As If Resurrected from the Dead. I just want to review chapter 45 before we get into our Bible study in 46. Joseph was putting his, his brothers through several tests, and this is the second time they appeared before him. There's a picture there because, you know, the brethren are going to see the Lord Jesus Christ the second time when he comes back. So that's a picture of, it's a type, a picture a, of, of the Lord's return. The second time. Joseph is a type of Christ, and I've showed you many things as we went through the, the book of Genesis. I can't, don't have time to go there again. I'm going to show you a couple at the end of uh, chapter 46. First of all, Joseph put his brothers through several tests. He put them through a test to see if they were repentant. In chapter 42, verse 21 and 23, 
And Reuben answered them, saying, Did I not speak to you, saying, Do not sin against the boy? You would not listen. Therefore his blood is required of us. Verse 23, But they did not know that Joseph understood them, for he spoke through an interpreter. So Joseph, you know, understood every word they said. And Reuben was saying, didn't I tell you we shouldn't have sold, we shouldn't have sold him into the pit? We've heard him crying, you know, and, uh, and we did it anyhow. And you knew that this was going to come back upon us. They're saying in verse 21, we are guilty concerning our brother Joseph, for we saw the anguish of his soul. And when he pleaded with us, we, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us because Joseph is putting them through tests because he recognized who they were right off the bat. Okay, but he decided to teach them a lesson and to make sure they're different men than the ones that sold him into, into slavery into Egypt. So, they knew from these verses that I told you. Reuben was saying, I told you so to his nine brothers. He said, I told you so. Remember, Benjamin's only about two years old when Joseph was, was sent into Egypt. Of course, he wasn't with them, Benjamin. It was just the ten sons, the bro brothers. So, so um, Reuben's saying, I told you so. Joseph is listening. Even though he spoke through an interpreter, an Egyptian, Joseph understood every word that they were saying. And here, they were actually showing signs of repentance. And if it isn't, wasn't, wasn't repentance, it certainly was remorse for what they have done. They knew, or Reuben knew, he said, you know, basically what we know today, what you sow is what you're going to reap. And they were reaping through Joseph, you know, um, Bad things that they thought it were because he was putting them through the, the test. I can't go through everything that uh, we already went through. It shows that there's a judgment for, for our disobedience. But Joseph was looking for a repentant spirit, and he pretty much saw it with his brothers. The second test he put them through were they now men of integrity. You remember in chapter 44 that they returned, and when they turned, got to Canaan, they looked in their sacks, and they had all the grain that they bought, but their money was right in the top of the sack, and they didn't notice it until they got home. So Joseph did that on purpose to see if they were integrable. If they would come back to Egypt, he knew they were going to come back because we're two years into the, we're two years into the famine, and there was another five years of famine came, and he did tell his brothers that. So, you know, we, we see that when they came back for the food the second time with Benjamin, you know, um, they returned the money. So he saw them now as men of integrity. 20, 20 years has gone by. 20 to 22 years have gone by. And obviously there was changes in these guys. Now they were repentant and they were men of integrity returning the money. I'm sure there was some fear beside the, behind that because Joseph was showing his strong arm to them. But they stuck by in unity. Even when, when the silver cup was found in Benjamin's sack, they sat together. They didn't go after Benjamin or they didn't blame anybody. So they were, they, they, they were, were unified, and Joseph saw that. The third test was, have they 
no resentment towards Benjamin because when he had Joseph invited him in for dinner, Benjamin was there, and he sat them all in age order, and the, and the, and the brothers were thinking, like, how could this be? How could this be? And we're in age order. And I showed you from the scriptures and from, from um, just, just what could I say, um, pastors today say the chances of them being sat in age order from the oldest to the youngest is like 62 million to one. It's almost impossible for, for that to be done. And that's why they were wondering, this is a strange thing. We're in, we're in new, you know, our, our age order. So, but, and then when he fed them, you know, he gave everybody their portion, but, but Benjamin got five times what they got. So if he got one turkey leg, if the men got one turkey egg leg, Benjamin got five turkey eggs, legs, I'm sorry, tur turkey legs. Yeah, you know, so they see here now that they're not holding any resentment towards Benjamin. They saw what they put their father through by selling Joseph into Egypt and pretending he was torn apart by a wild beast. When they came home with the coat of many colors all torn to shreds and covered with goat blood. You know, they saw what they put their father through. Even though Joe and Benjamin's getting five times the food, they had no resentment towards Joseph like they had resent I mean towards Benjamin, like they had resentment towards Joseph. Number four test, they were all willing to give their lives for Benjamin to be saved. When, Benjamin, when the cup was found in Benjamin's sack, they protected Benjamin. They were hauled back to Egypt, and they were put on trial, and Joseph was going to keep Benjamin and send the rest home, and they would not go home without Benjamin. They knew that their dad would die if, if he did not come back with Benjamin. And every one of them, especially Judah, stands up to the test. All of them were willing to give their lives for Benjamin to be saved. They remembered the anguish of their father when Joseph was lost. For 20 years, they saw the pain in their dad's heart. But now their hearts were changed because they saw the damage that they've done to their dad. And Joseph, their father, you know, Joseph, their father, and Joseph, you know, um, what the damage that they did to their father, Jacob and to Joseph, their brother. It shows humility. That shows humility, and that's what, what uh, Joseph was looking for. And Judah, he steps to the forefront. He assumes the spiritual responsibility, the spiritual leadership of the family, and he takes care of, of, of make sure dad is not hurt. He's willing to give his life in exchange for Benjamin. He's at the forefront. Send Benjamin home. My dad will die. Keep me. If you remember, Simon and Reuben said, you know, you, you, if I don't come back with Benjamin, you can kill my sons, but not Judah. He says, you can kill me. And see, that's saying, that, you know, that there's a spiritual uh, truth here. It's a substitutionary sacrifice. Judah's willing to sacrificially give his life in exchange for, for Benjamin. And what did Jesus tell us in John chapter 15, verse 13? He said, greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for a friend. And Judah's ready to do that. 
And as you well know, Judah is, is in the line to Messiah. Judah steps to the forefront. So, um, in 46, in chapter 46, verses 1 through 3, I'm going to read them to you, and uh, then we'll talk about them a little bit. This is reading from the New American Standard Version, just so you know. Jacob is moving to Egypt. So Israel set out with all his all that he had. Now, if you remember right, there's an inner, there's a thing going on here. Even God speaking to Judah as Judah, but then again, sometimes he speaks to him in his covenant name after he was named after wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And his name was changed to Israel. You remember that. Jacob means heel catcher or dis, 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 uh, deceiver. But, but uh, Israel means governed by God. God is changing Ju, uh, Judah, not Judah, but Jacob into a man of God. He's going through uh, a change in his life, just like you went through a change in your life. And that was the time that you accept Christ as your Savior. After you got hit with the power of the Holy Spirit, you have become a different person. If you haven't become a different person, you better check and make sure you're saved. You can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, and so where it says, examine yourself to see if you are of the faith. Test yourself unless you fail the test. Test yourself. If you say you're a Christian and you got hit with the power of God, just like if you went out, ran, ran across the street and got hit with a Mack truck, you would be changed. Well, you get hit with the power of God, the man God that created the universe. If you get hit with the power of God, you will be a different person. And that's why Jesus said you must be born again, or you won't see the kingdom of God. Anyway, Israel, it says here, so Israel is talking about uh, Jacob here. So Israel, Jacob, set out with all that he had and came to Beersheba because his sons came home and told dad that, that he's alive, that, that, Benjamin, that Joseph is alive, and he's second in command in Egypt. They were shocked, and so was Jacob going to be, be shocked. So here comes home. So Israel set out with all, his, all that he had, and he came to Beersheba and offered sacrifice to God of his father. God smote, spoke to Israel. In other words, see the covenant name he's using them. Jacob is going through a change. I'm going to explain that a little bit as we go along. He's going through a change. God's changing him into a man that's governed by God, and we could say in the New Testament, born again. Governed by the Holy Spirit. Governed by God through the Holy Spirit. Okay? He went to the Sheber Sheba and he offered sacrifice to God of his father, Isaac. God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said to Jacob. Now he uses the name Jacob. He's saying, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, here am I. He said, I am God, the God of your father, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will surely bring you back again, and Joseph will close your eyes. Now, when it says Joseph will close your eyes there, that means he's going to die 
in Egypt because Joseph is there, and Joseph's going to be there when he dies, and he's going to close his eyes just as many times as you see when people die. Sometimes their eyes are open. Joseph is going to close his eyes. So Jacob has hope. He's going to see his beloved son that he lost. So Joseph, you know, we noticed he revealed his, himself to his brothers. He couldn't contain himself in chapter 45, the first few verses. He couldn't contain himself. He sent all of his servants out, and he burst out into, into tears, and he weeps loudly. And he declares to his brothers, I am Joseph. Don't forget, now, he was speaking in Egyptian all this time through an interpreter. Now the interpreter's put out of the room, and Joseph begins to speak in Hebrew. And they go, what's going on here? And he says, the first words out of his mouth, I am Joseph, the prime minister of Egypt. Wow. He couldn't contain himself. He bust out in tears and he wept loudly. He was groaning within his spirit. When he said, I am Joseph, his brothers are shocked. They're filled with terror too because they know what they did to Joseph. And he was in, in command of Egypt and whatever Joseph said, it was done. And he had the power to put them to death. But you know, they were hoping that Joseph wasn't the same kind of men they were at one time. Joseph had already demonstrated his strong arm. Joseph sees Benjamin, who's now about 22 years old. Because when Joseph was sold into slavery at 17, if you do your calculations, you'll find out Benjamin was about two years old. He probably hardly recognized, or even knew about Joseph, except the pain that his dad went through all those years. The brothers see, and they're shocked. They're afraid Joseph's going to put them to death. But Joseph saw a purpose, not tragedy. God sent me before you to preserve life, he says. In verse 5, let me read it. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons, oh, that's well, in uh, chapter 40, 45. We weren't going to go back there, but God sent them before. God sent, he sees purpose from this tragedy of his life. God sent me before you, Joseph said, to preserve life, to preserve a remnant. In other words, to keep the bloodline to Christ. God sent them to Egypt to put them in the land of Goshen so that they would multiply and be separate from, from Egypt. He would preserve a remnant. And as Joseph would be an advisor to Pharaoh, which he certainly was, The purpose was to present the mess, you know, pre, preserve the remnant, the messianic line to Messiah. It's also to save nations. To bring, God's going to make a nation out of Israel, Jacob's tribe. And he also wanted to bring conviction on his brothers. So here's, here's what you should take out of this, an application or food for thought in this life that's going on here, the mature faith. If you have faith, mature faith meets tragedy with, in God's perspective. 
It meets tragedy in God's perspective, and that's exactly what Joseph uh, is going is doing. If you pray correctly through your tragedies, it will let you prayer will let you see through God's eyes, not your eyes. And we could see through God's eyes, we would see different. He's painting a picture, and it's going on for, for thousands of years. He's painting a picture, and he's laying in the colors. He's laying in the background. He's laying in, in the people. He's laying in the trees and the ocean and the rivers and the streams and the beasts. He's laying them in there at, at the time. We don't know what he's painting. But when our time is done, we're gone. But Joseph here is weeping. And loud groaning. You can almost say that, that he's, he's speaking in a tongue because God knows exactly what those groanings mean from Joseph. Don't be deceived or grieved or angry because you, you sold me into Egypt, he said. For God sent me before you to preserve your life and the life of nations. Doesn't God tell us through the the prophet Isaiah, he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. we got to look through God's eyes when we see what's going on in this world. We know that this world's going to go downhill. Jesus told us it's going to go downhill. Tribulation's going to come. Let's read on from chapter verse 5. Then Jacob arose from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried their father Jacob and their little ones and their wives and their wagons, which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. They took their livestock and their property, which they had acquired in the land of Canaan, and came to Egypt, Jacob and his descendants with him, his sons and his grandsons with them, his daughters and his granddaughters, and all his descendants he brought with him to Egypt. Now these are the names uh, in verse 8. We're going to skip that. I'm going to touch on that. But I'm not going to go through each, each name. But here's Jacob has already been told in chapter 5 that Joseph is alive, and he didn't, he didn't believe them. He actually said the, the, the Scriptures say in Genesis 45, 2, in Genesis 45, 5, that Joseph is alive, and Joseph's heart, Jacob's heart stood still when he heard that Joseph was alive. Jacob's heart stood still. Let me say, you know what? If your heart stands still, you're, on your, you're, you're about ready to die. Jacob was stunned. He he, Jacob's heart fainted, says the, new, the King James Version. The New Century Version says Jacob was shocked. The NIV in the New American Standard Version says he was stunned. And the New King James Version says his heart stood still. And he did not believe them until he saw all the gifts that Joseph sent from Egypt. He sent 20 donkey, donkeys loaded with grain, 10 females, 10 males. He sent 20 camels, 10 females, 10, 10 males loaded with grain and treasures from Egypt. He didn't believe it until he saw the caravan and all the riches that were there. 
And God sent all these treasures. And when he looked at the treasures, he knew it had to be Joseph. And he knew that Joseph was alive. Joseph stops in Beersheba. He's leaving Canaan. Well, not Joseph. Jacob is leaving Canaan. His name is Israel now. You're going to see God switch over and use his covenant name, Israel. He's leaving Canaan. He stops in Beersheba, which is the south part of the outpost of the promised land. Okay? He, Abraham built a grove there and planted a tamarack tree. Isaac built an altar there and dug a well there. He's stopping there in Beersheba to worship the God of his father Abraham and Isaac. And Jacob offers sacrifice there, probably on the altar that was built by Isaac. Most likely the same altar that Isaac built. Then God spoke to Israel in visions of the night. Verse 2 of the night and said Jacob Jacob and he said here I am and so he said I am God this voice is speaking to him in a vision I am God the God of your father do not fear do not you know to go down to Egypt for I will make you a great nation there Jacob is afraid first thing we need to notice Jacob is afraid he's fearful even going into Egypt if you remember right, you know, you know, his father, Isaac, was told not to go into Egypt. We told know that Abraham was told not to go into Egypt. But he went in anyway, and he got in trouble there, if you remember right. Pharaoh took his wife, Sarah, and he almost laid with her until God spoke to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh rebukes, Pharaoh rebukes Abraham. And God says to Pharaoh, do him no harm because he's a prophet of God. And he didn't touch Pharaoh. And thank God he didn't touch Sarah. Remember, this is, this is the bloodline to Messiah. So God appears to Jacob for the sixth time. Let me tell you the six times that God appears to Jacob. In 28.10 of, of Genesis, he appears at, Vec, at Bethel. Remember what he did at Bethel? He was fleeing from his brother Esau, who he deceived out of his birthright. Now, in 31.3 of Genesis, he at Pandamaram, he was fleeing his uncle Laban. These are all, this is the carnal man at work here. In 32.24 of Genesis, of Genesis at Peniel he was wrestling with the angel of the Lord and he was fighting in his flesh and he wouldn't let the angel of the Lord go unless he blessed him and that's where the angel of the Lord touched him on his thigh and renamed him Israel he was on his way to become a spiritual man but he was what can I say walking in the flesh he was spiritual but walking in the flesh and he gets up and he says, where he saw the face of God, the incarnate Christ, in chapter 32 and verse 30. And then he saw him again the fourth time at Shechem, verse 35, chapter 35 and verse 1. 
when he left to go to Bethel after the rape of Dinah and the mass murder that Simeon did and Levi did to, to the man, that Shechem, who raped her, the prince of the land of Shechem. And then in 35.9, the fifth time God appears to him at Bethel, God was confirming his covenant for the second time with Jacob. And remember what the covenant was? Land, blessing, and people. God's going to make them a great nation. There's 70 people that go with Jacob down to, Israel, down to Egypt. And when they come out 400 plus years later, there are over 2 million the 3 million estimated by, by scholars today. And here in chapter 46, verse 2, at Beersheba, we see him leaving Canaan because of the famine to go to Egypt for the great reunion. The father is the father's going to see his son Joseph as if he were risen from the dead. And that's where the title of this message comes from. Joseph he thought was dead for 20 years. For 20 years. And it was as if Joseph was risen from the dead, which is a picture of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Someday we're going to see him. We know that he's risen from the grave. And someday there's going to be a great reunion. And we're going to see him face to face. And if you turn to... Um, Let's see, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'll read it for you, and starting with the 13th verse. But do not, I do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, or ignorant, brethren, about those things, those who have fallen asleep, so that you will not grieve as the rest do who have no hope. See, you have hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For we, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain will caught in caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Notice they come with him, but yet they're raised out of the ground. It's just like the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was dead. His spirit was alive. He had work to do. We know that. I can't get into that. Ephesians tells you that. Okay? We can't get into that. He was alive, but when, when, when his spirit came back into his body, and that's what's going to happen to us. Our spirits are going to come back in our body, and we're going to be alive. Not just in the spirit, but your flesh will be resurrected. This immortal will put on immortality, says the Scriptures. There's going to be a great reunion someday. We're going to see the Lord face to face. The second time, the second time He appears to the believers, we're going to see it in the clouds at the rapture. Then, we're going to, then the world, the Jews, are going to see Him the second time. The brethren are going to see Him the second time. And they come back in the clouds, and they're going to look on Him who they pierced. Zechariah 12.10 says this, The world will soon have its heart stand still when the Messiah returns and His wounds they see. The world's going to, the world's going to stand still. The remnant, 
of Israel is going to stand still when the Messiah returns the second time. Just like Joseph revealed himself to his brothers the second time. This is a, a picture of Christ. Notice that all these times I gave you, um, Jacob was in a crisis or, or a failure in his life. But he went from a carnal man fleeing Esau and fleeing Laban to wrestling with the angel of the Lord at Peniel, okay, where he saw the face of God, the pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, just like his great-grandfather Abraham had seen the Christ with the three angels that came to him at the, just before they rained fire and brimstone on, on uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And the one stayed with him, and, and of course, Abraham bowed down and worshipped this angel but it wasn't. It was a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ, the angel of the Lord. And then we see him him operating by faith when he wrestles with the angel of the Lord, but he's walking in the flesh, and that kind of that's like we do today. But then when we see him going into Egypt, like God told him to do to see Joseph, we see him a man of total faith. We see him. And you know, that's just like we are today. Many people today live, and they, you know, today they receive the gospel. When we turn to Christ, for a period of time we struggle. We live in our own strength. Some Christians are just living in their own strength. There's a period of struggle there where they're, they're, they're trying to get into the Spirit, but they're struggling back and forth, and the enemy's trying to come against them to keep them from coming to this to to faith in Christ they live in their own strength for even years after they become Christians some grow in grace and in knowledge of Christ and some walk by faith continually Jesus said if any man wants to come after me let him deny himself take up his cross daily and follow me Jacob had a few few fall, fall, flaws just like you and I have, but he had fellowship with God, and that's very important. Some of you are staying home because of the indignation that hit the land. Listen, who are you going to believe? I mean, who are you going to have faith in? The, the politicians today, or are you going to have faith in Almighty God? The faith in Almighty God. You need to come back to church. Quit fearing what the world says and, and put your faith in God. Jacob was afraid to go to Egypt, but God said, do not fear. You know what? Some Christians are staying home because of this indignation, the COVID thing, and then after it dies down, it rears back up again as a different thing. Listen, you got to trust God or not. If you abide in me and my word abides in, in you, you can ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. Psalm 91 tells you that, that you live in the shadow of the Almighty if you abide in Him. Listen, get out. There's not, if there is a lion in a road, God has them chained back, just like you read in Pilgrim's Progress. They can't touch you. You're a child of God, sealed with the Holy Spirit. Get out there and continue the work of God because the devil's just trying to silence the church. But Jesus told us the gates of Hades, hell 
will not prevail against his church. Get out there and do the work of the ministry and quit trying to hide behind it. A lot of Christians are staying home and they're not supporting their churches because they think the only time they have to give is when, is when, is when they go to church. You should be sending your tithe checks or your offerings and gifts to the churches that you, you have, even if you don't go to church. But I advise you, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. And do this all the more as the day draws near. You can look at the world. You can look at politicians. You can look at the countries in the world. Believe me, the day is drawing near. Christians are martyred every day, not so much in America, but in other lands every day. Our faithful brother, Brett Haynes, is leaving for Nigeria. Nigeria, you have to take armed guards with you to preach the gospel. Come on. Get out there. Do the work of the ministry. Quit hiding behind, behind I don't know, fear and get out there. Fear in the acrostic is false evidence appearing real. That's what the acrostic is for fear. False evidence appearing real. Jacob had flaws, but he had fellowship with God. You need to fellowship with God. Get back to church. The truth is, all believers have flaws. People point to our flaws, and they call you hypocrites. Listen, we're sinners. Every one of us is a sinner. I'm going to be touching on that big time on Sunday in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, as we look at the leper that was healed by Jesus. Listen, we're all hypocrites to a certain degree. Some of us are just worse than others. They, the world looks at our flaws instead of, instead of them knowing that we have fellowship with God. Let me read 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. I'm going to see. We're going to go a little further than that, 5 through 9. Chapter John, 1 John chapter 1, verses uh, 9, 5 through 9. And this is the message we have heard from him and announced to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, fruit, we lie and we deceive, we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our sin. If we say that we have no sin, if you say you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. We have fellowship, but we have flaws. We're sinners. But I'll tell you what. You should be sinning less once you came to know Christ as your Savior. Once you came to the Spirit. You shouldn't be to, to the Christ. You shouldn't be walking in the flesh. You should be walking in the Spirit. God's commanding Jacob to go down to Egypt. The opposite of what he told Abraham and Isaac to do. But now he's fearing, he's fearing to go to Egypt because he knows his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac were told not to go. Abraham did and ran into trouble. Isaac actually listened, but he went down right to the border. 
He was like standing on a line. Some of you out there are, are on a road to Jesus. Instead of, instead of riding on the yellow line, the center point, you're off on the edges ready to roll over the embankment where there is no guardrail. Do not change the, the, uh, the posts of God. God gave you something to do, you do it. Timing is so important to this. This is important. So the timing for, for Jacob to see his son Joseph is so important. It's 20 years later. You know what? Your time, you may be praying for things for years and it never happens. But timing is so important to God. The entire universe works in timing. Every 90 years, I think it is, comes the meteor. Okay? Every, you know what? Your body works perfectly in order. If your one chemical is out of balance, you're out of balance. If you hurt your foot, you know, you're, uh, you're going to be, the whole body is hurting. God has a purpose. Not tragedy, but preservation for them. Here. Do not fear. Jacob was afraid to go to Egypt. Genesis 12, verse, verses 10 through 20. Egypt was a snare to his family, as I told you, to Abraham and Isaac, and now Jacob's worry. Four promises are given to Israel here, or Jacob. You know, he will make him a great nation. God's going to make them a great nation in Egypt. And we know that for a fact, that he's been made a great nation. Okay, God will go with him in chapter 31, verse 3, and chapter 28, verse 15. God is going to go with him. It's so important that God go with you. Here's what Moses said. God says, you, you go, Moses, and, but I'm not going with you. You know what Moses said? He says, if you don't go with me, I'm not going anywhere. It's just like my little puppy dog I told stories about all the time. When it's time to go out, she wants to go outside. I open up the door, and most of the time, she'll stay by my side, or she'll go out the door and stop there until I step out. And that's the way we're supposed to be. You're not supposed to do anything until God moves and you follow him, or you stay beside him all the way. Then God said, I will bring, not only will I make you a great nation, I'll go with you to Egypt. And he says, I'll bring your family back to Canaan. And we see in Genesis chapter 15, we read those things. Joe, number four, Joseph will put your hand over your eyes. In other words, Jacob's going to die in, in Egypt. And Joseph will be there. It tells you that Jacob's going to die a peaceful death. Joseph is going to be with him, his beloved son that was, was resurrected from the dead, as you could say. Not literally, but, you know, he thought he was dead for 20 years. He mourned him for months, maybe years. Joseph will be with him. I was with my dad when he passed, and I know that was a comfort to him. It was a comfort to me also. Jacob knows he will never go back to Canaan while he's alive. But we find out in Genesis chapter 50 that he's buried in the cave of Machpelah. Abraham's there. Sarah's there. Isaac is there. Rebecca is there. Jacob and Rachel are buried there now. There's six people built in that one cave that Abraham bought 
you know, in the, in the land of Canaan. That's the only thing he saw, owned in the land of Canaan. All Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who all walked by faith, never got any piece of land at all in the promised land. They believed it and yet never received it. But they believed it. If God said it, it will happen. God will make Israel a great nation in Egypt. We find out from Scripture that when, when it's time to go out of Egypt and Moses comes down and says, let my people go to Pharaoh, we find out that the women in Egypt were producing at 6%. The, 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 the babies were produced at 6%. You know, the average today in any part of the world is 2%. They were, they were multiplying Three times as fast as the Egyptians were. And that's why you find out in Genesis um, or Exodus that, that they outnumbered the Egyptians. And the Egyptians were afraid of them. That's why they kept them as slaves. But it took God to take them out of Egypt. We read Joseph. Jacob arose and, and went to Beersheba. Here's what, here's what went. Jacob went, his sons went, his wives, his, their children, livestock, goods, possession, and, and, and Joseph's cart that he sent. The scriptures say 66, per, 66 persons went to Egypt. Stephen says in chapter 7 and 14 of Acts, he says 75 went to Egypt. Genesis 40, verse 27 says 70 people. And okay, and Genesis here says 70 people went to Egypt. When the Dead Sea Scrolls were found in 1947, it agreed with what, what uh, Stephen said in Acts chapter 7. You know, chapter, uh, seven. Listen. Whatever the scripture says is true. It also says in Genesis the 66 people, but if you read closely, you'll find out it didn't count the wives of, of the, um, the 10 brothers. Some of them wives might be dead. We know there were 10 brothers. There were obviously five short, and maybe five of them had passed away. There were 70 people that went to Egypt. We know one thing. God's right, you're wrong, find the answer, and find it in scripture. Could also say, you know, there are five extra people that could be the two sons of Ephraim, the two sons of Manasseh, and the grandson of Ephraim, which makes five. Verse 28, Jacob is appointed to, to take on the family leadership. When Joseph saw his dad, he fell on his face, on his dad's face and hugged him. And there was a great reunion. Someday, again, as I mentioned, we will have a great reunion. We're going to have a marvelous meeting with our, with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you what, it's not going to be emotional. It's going to be heartfelt. And you need to have heartfelt. You can't have an emotional decision to follow Christ. It's got to be a heart decision. You know from 1 Samuel 16, I believe it is, it says, God looks, don't look on the outward appearance. 
He said, God looks at the heart. So God isn't interested in your emotional movement sitting in the pews when some pastor asked you to receive Christ and you had an emotional breakdown, emotional uh, 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 acceptance of Christ. No, when you left that day, if you had a heartfelt change in your heart, you should be a different person when you walked out that door in the back of church. You should be a different person. Joseph is approximately 40 years old when his father comes to Egypt. He was 30 when he became prime minister of Egypt. Seven years of famine went by, and they were in the second year of the famine. Okay, second year of 30, let's see, seven years of plenty went by, and then two years they were into the famine. So that makes him 39 to 40 years old, Joseph. Jacob tells Jacob tells Pharaoh that he's 130 years old when, when he came to Egypt. We know that Jacob lived, according to Scripture, he lived to be 147 years. So that meant that Joseph and his father had 17 years together before he passed away in the land of Egypt. That was a great reunion, 17 years. And Jacob says in verse 30, now my life is complete, and he dies at 147 years. It's, it's written in Genesis 47, verse 28. With Joseph, he was with Joseph for those 17 years. So it's amazing. You know what? We skipped that big part uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 8, I mean chapter 46 and verse 8, and I'm not going to read all those names. Here's all the sons of of, of Simeon, the sons of Reuben, the sons of Levi, the sons of, the, you know, the, of all the ten um, sons of Jacob. And I'm not going to tell you this, but you know what? I don't, I don't, we don't know most of these names. I want to tell you one thing, though. Their name is in this book. And I'm going to tell you what. You better make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Your name better be in that book of life or you won't be raptured out of this world when the Lord comes. Or if you aren't a Christian but get saved during the tribulation, you know, you won't see Christ when he comes back the second time. And he reveals himself to the brethren. That means the Jews and the converts over into Christ that actually believe. Not interested, but God's interested in those names. He had them put in the book. And I'm telling you, you better be interested and make sure that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because in the end of all things, Revelation, there's two books in heaven. One is for the, the white throne judgment. And the other is for the judgment seat of Christ. You will be saved, but your actions will be judged. You're not saved by your good works. You're saved by receiving with your whole heart the blood and the sacrifice, the sacrificial sacrifice of Christ on the cross, his death, his resurrection, and that's how you're saved. Not because you did good works, but let me tell you something. If you're truly saved, you will be doing good works, and you will do more good works by accident than you ever will by trying in your flesh. Jacob tried that, and we have a lesson here. It didn't really work. Joseph 
is interceding in verse 31 and 34 with Pharaoh for the land of Goshen. In the land of Goshen, it was fertile land, and they were, and the Jews were, were what can I say, um, they were cattle or sheep raisers, really, but Joseph told them to say that we're raisers of cattle because shepherds are an abomination to Egypt, to the Egyptians. You know? And there's something. Let me show you a picture here. Even to this day, some people loathe the great shepherd. Just like the Egyptian loathed shepherds. And I'll tell you what. You better get on track. You better get on track. The world has fallen into rejection. I got those in my own family that reject Jesus Christ, the great shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He's the great shepherd, and people today loathe the great shepherd. And that's a picture here again. Shepherds are abomination to the Egyptians. And the great shepherd better not be an abomination to you. Because if he is, you will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and you will be judged according to the works you didn't do. And what the work you didn't do was receive Christ Jesus' sacrifice, substitutional sacrifice for your sins. You tread underfoot the blood of the covenant of Almighty God, the blood of God Himself. And while they were in Goshen, of course, the Egyptians, since they loathed them, it enabled the Egyptians to raise up a mighty nation. God said, I'll make a great nation out of you. And, and he did that. They had flocks and they had herds and their family produced at, at 6% rate when the Egyptians and the world today only produced at, at 2%. They were growing at three times faster in those 400 plus years. And therefore, they became mightier than Egypt. But they weren't warriors. They were just slaves. How did they get their weapons? I'm going to tell you what. When the Red Sea was divided and God had the water fall on the Egyptian army, there were all kind of weapons flowing down the Red Sea. And they picked them up. And they became warriors as they went into the land of Canaan. And they did that after 40 years of being in the desert because of their because of their disobedience. Here's two ways that Joseph typifies Christ. Two more ways. There's actually 38 ways that Joseph typifies Christ. And it's now totaling 38 ways. Here's the 30, 37th way. Both intercede on the brother's behalf. In Genesis 46. Verse 31 and 32. Here's what Hebrews 7.25 says. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession with them. He's interceding for us today. And Joseph is interceding for his brothers. They both are in, interceding on, her, on his brother's behalf, both Joseph and Jesus. Here's number 38. 
both instruct their brothers. Both inst instruct their brothers. That's taking place in Genesis 46, 33, and 34. Here's what John says in chapter 3, verse 2. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the things that you do unless God is with him. You know that that was Nicodemus, and Jesus told him to be born again. And you know what, what Nicodemus said. He says, how can I enter back into my mother's womb? She's dead. How can I enter back in the womb? He said, and Jesus answered, he said, what's born of flesh is flesh. What's born of spirit is spirit. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit should come into your life. And this is one thing that you know about God. And it's said three times. We know God's merciful. We know he's, he's just. We know that he's good. But I'll tell you what. Three times he's in the scriptures and many times throughout the scriptures he says he's holy he's holy he's holy and we need to have a holy life if you're truly born again you are living a holy life as best you can you got hit with the power of the holy spirit and you better be changed when you go out the door of your church today or over you're over the internet you must be born again and if you were born again and received christ as your savior then you will be changed. So if you go out this door today and you act like you did before you came in, then you better test yourself and examine yourself and make sure that you're a Christian. If you aren't, next time you go to church, well, next when you get home or on your way in the car as you're driving home, pray with all your heart to God. They confess that you are a sinner, 